What is up? How you living? How you doing? We have a special guest today. We have a hustler that I've watched a few of his interviews and I went, I do not know if there is somebody more New York than this guy, Rich Kleiman in the house. Rich, seriously, man, you, the way that you rep the city is phenomenal. I really do. I got to tell you, that might be the best compliment I have got in a long time that I am the most New York guy you've heard and seen. I like it. Every interview, every interview, I I, I go in and you're like, listen, I'm from New York. I can't believe I've tried to do the California thing. Where, where are you from in the city? I'm from Manhattan. I grew up on the Upper West Side. I love gotcha. where I grew up. I'm just, I guess I really, I didn't realize that I was like that until like uh, the Nick stuff became so like top of mind that I realized mm. I really was someone that grew up. Cause you, when you get older, you don't meet people from the city that grew up in the city. So I started like right. definitely pushing it more <laughs> and definitely. Cause was I'm, like, I'm what? one of those guys that like, I grew up in the suburbs of Philly and I've been now in New York for about six or seven years. And the amount of people that I have met that really grew up there is not a lot. Like I have no. a friend that grew up in Tribeca and when he comes back, he's like, I don't even know what this is anymore. It was yeah. not like this when I was growing up. Yeah. It feels like you either left the city and you're living in LA or Miami or overseas or, or Connecticut. You, yeah. Or Connecticut or, Oh, there's those people too. Connecticut, Long Island, Westchester, Jersey. And then you move there and you've lived there for 20 years and you say it very like low you're like yeah i'm from new york and then if someone pushes you you're like well no nah, i'm from wisconsin but you know exactly I moved to but new i've york. been there for 10 years yeah yeah uh rich Kleiman, uh you run 35 ventures i believe you're the manager and agent of kevin durant and you uh you created the boardroom so i'm sure that a lot of people have seen your content um i know you have some exciting stuff going on but I i'm curious if, if you could give me that elevator pitch for everybody listening right now in terms of the path. I get asked this all the time. How did you get to where you are? Where did it start? And what was the interesting bumps along the way to, to put you where you are now? Yeah, I mean, it started for me, honestly, uh, in college when I started booking. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but I didn't focus in school at all. I never made it a priority. I barely got into college. I got into one school, which was BU. And it was not the regular, like, general program. There was a, a study program that I think most kids from, like me, that didn't focus were able to get into. Yeah. Um, and I, it wasn't that I didn't, like, function in society. Like, I was very much a networker and popular, and I played sports, and I, and I tried to, you know, be very out and about. But I just didn't put school in that equation. I regret it now. But when I bookied at school, I felt really cool, like looking at the numbers and collecting and talking about how to grow it and talking to different people at different colleges that I just started to get that like adrenaline rush from running a business. So that was one. Number two was when the first kind of real thing that I did after trying like a, a dot com in the late 90s with a few of my friends, the first real thing I did was work on this show, The Life on ESPN. And sure. I was a producer, but I was young and I was kind of like, well, let's get him a job. He knows about sports. He's kind of interesting and cool, but you know, we can't really ask him to produce a show, but we only have so little money to make music for the show. How about you do that? Can you do that? And I did that. And I just kind of got into the music business. And then from doing that, I was doing music for different shows. And I said, you know what, maybe this adrenaline rush was meant to be in the music business. And I, followed that and was able to manage a handful of artists and producers 
was able to be in the Grammys and on tours and all these different cool music things, but I didn't really love it, love it. But it brought me over to Rock Nation and got me to work with Jay-Z and got me to be able to produce his first documentary, Fade to Black, or a documentary he worked on. So all that Fade to Black is yeah. Fade to Black is in my household. It's up there with like history of the world part one. You know what I mean? Like th- like things that need yeah. because my fiance is the biggest Jay-Z fan ever. And like that moment with like Timbaland, you know what I mean? Oh, like, oh, epic! It's epic. like the coolest moment ever. Yeah, he, oh, that definitely that def, that moment was definitely like, oh, oh, and like it was like I was playing in, you know, the double and triple A, and I was enjoying my time like in these rooms. And then I thought at twenty six, twenty seven, I was starting to do something. And then I was like, oh, no, right. no, no, I'm nowhere. Like this guy is different. Like he's right. the most lawlessly cool person I've ever been around. This looks cooler to me than any NBA game or any rock star music. It was like Jay-Z. And as soon as I had the opportunity to just like be around that, I learned so much from watching someone and how composed and patient he is and then still is able to get the win, you know, always get the mm-hmm. win. And I went there and I, it was everything. I realized like, okay, I'm a real person. I could be in the entertainment business. You know, I don't have to bookie or hustle or, you know, I, I, I was, I was still probably like trying to live beyond my means. Cause I think when like, especially for me, when you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to get yourself on and you're hustling and you don't really have some of the principal foundation skills, you end up getting in this place where you're trying to get everywhere you want to be. So you're spending more money than you have. And then you got to like, check chase a bit and that period in in getting on is tough you're also trying to prove to yourself that you des- deserve to be there and so yeah. you go well what do they have i need that too what what i'm hearing though it's it sounds like up until like 26 27 it was put it in front of me and i'm gonna kill it and it doesn't matter if it's sports music or anything and then you see jay and then you go there's a system to this and yeah. it doesn't have to happen today and i think that it should happen for everybody, but it, you want it to happen sooner rather than later because that's the focus. That's the foundation. Yeah, and, and you realize that your way there is not always what you read in the book, in, in in like the newspapers or what you see in movies. That you know, going to work for somebody else and going to work within an organization, even though inside was this like burning desire to keep having my own bookie operation. You know, what I mean, not a bookie operation, but my own right. thing. It's just like. You work for yourself. I don't want to have a boss. And it's like, yeah, yeah, but you can really learn some incredible things. You can learn. Things. And, you know, and the probably the regret I have, but I also feel like if I didn't necessarily think this way, then maybe I wouldn't have been able to, to have the courage to go like try something on my own a little bit later in life was that you can really still be entrepreneurial within a system. You know, like mm. you can have your own show on... ESPN or on this network and still be Adam Lefko. You still be a star. And I just didn't see that. So it was like, well, how do I get all the way to the top? And the steps along the way started to feel like they were just an exercise. And I, I and now I realize that that actually conditioned me to learn to oh. go on my own for sure. That's the most frustrating thing about giving advice to young people right now is that you want to tell them your journey so that they can understand the value of patience but they can't see that. Listen, it's just going to take that. It's just going to yeah. take those moments. Yeah. So and, you and go, we were, you go, we oh, go for patient. it. And we weren't patient. No, 
No, no, no. We had so to- after Jay, it sounds like that was a big step right after that yeah. moment. So when I got there, I started working with, I was managing Mark Ronson. I was managing Wale. I was managing this artist out of England or out of Australia, but was big in England. Uh, Daniel Merriweather. I had a handful of DJs like in the city. I was managing D-Nice for a while, Q-Tip for a while, Samantha Ronson. I had this like New York Times story they did on our whole uh, celebrity DJ kind of business, me and my mm. buddy Damon. Um, what does it mean to manage somebody like that? Well, on artist side, like, you know, you're, you're there to kind of react a, to their needs. You're there to help them get certain deals and certain positioning for their album and set up tours and help with endorsements and help with their family and how they move. And, you know, the people that work for them for producers, when I was doing, it was getting music placed on different people's albums and connecting producers with artists and songwriters. But I I never really was awesome at that, to be honest with you. I was a good talent manager, but I I wasn't a music Mm. guy. And then on the DJ side, like I still was very much in the clubs back then. So because of that, I could go to a club. I didn't get really too messed up every night where I couldn't deal with the owner of the club or the manager. I'd go to Vegas, spend a few days there. I didn't mind that. And I'd have DJs that, you know, trusted me to look after them. But again, like I didn't even really stay in that i didn't stay in it i was always like all right what am i gonna do next what am i gonna do next couldn't really enjoy it as much as i should have because i knew everyone's I probably to coming to you sports. and being like man you're living the life and you're yeah. going i'm not even doing what i want to do i'm good at it but i don't even want to do this yeah and i don't have any are you doing like are you doing what you want to do now do you feel yes. like you're finally in the bag yeah yeah that's awesome yeah i think the only thing that i would have had i decided to become so like I think my high school yearbook, no, I mean, I, I, somewhere in my life, like someone wrote that, like I was clearly get, like going to be a sports agent, you know. And for some reason, I didn't necessarily like ever want to be a sports agent, but I did like, um, you know, the access that it looked like agents got. I think that if I had started earlier, like if I didn't get into music, if I stayed into sports as a kid. I could have probably had a really robust sports client roster, which could have been cool. Um, but ultimately what I'm doing now with Kevin and being able to be so close to the game of basketball with one of the greatest players ever and be like creative and build a business. It's definitely like been a dream come true for me. I know that you have some exciting announcements. Do you want to lay them out for us? Yeah. I mean, I think that it's a uh, new, new edition. We're recording this by the way, for everybody, we're recording this on Wednesday, the, the something. So we're making yeah. sure that you guys get the announcement first. I just, yeah. Wanna, yeah. Well, listen, I, when I talk about these things, the reason why I like to talk about it right now, cause I, I feel like I'm still at a real inflection point in my life and my career. Like I still see myself in the middle of my journey. Like it's like, I got out of the rookie years in the league. I proved I can play but I'm not in any real conversation yet where I want to be and mm. I'm enjoying where I'm at and I can talk to younger players, but there's some, you know, big dogs in the league still that I'm not with. And I, that's what I like about the stuff that we're doing because while I'm doing it, I'm also still living it. And the boardroom has been something that's been like very much part of my DNA because I feel like it represents like the untraditional path and the, you know, the kind of like, unorthodox side of the sports world and the sports business, but really where the people are. So we're going to add a podcast element to it and launch our podcast network. And then the cool thing is, is that KD is also going to now have his own forum to have a show once a month and really talk about the things that have influenced him that aren't 
basketball related always. And right. hearing him talk on that level should be pretty fresh. For me, I want to share, I, I would sit and talk to you about your life's journey any day of the week. If I could sit and ask Adam Lefko questions about his life, the way I like to ask questions, I, I just thrive off that. I love that information. Mm-hmm. I love understanding how you did what you did, where you got, where you want to go, and relating to it. It brings comfort to me. And I want to do the same thing for listeners because I feel like part of our business, the sports business, outside of like what you see, is that these mentors and these CEOs and these leaders of industry, they've all had these incredible stories that are just like you and you're just about to embark on it. And that's really this new element of the boardroom. And it's, you know, it's, I don't know. I never thought I'd have a podcast. Like I don't even want to insult people like you that are podcast people, but like, I'm going to try. And then I'm going to ask people like you to help me. And I'll ask you to come on my show. Listen, the thing that's funny is when I think I started with Sims doing this like five years ago, four or five years ago. And I try to tell this when people are like, I'm nervous, I'm starting. And I'm sure you're like this with business. The only way you do it is you just do it. I feel like so many times people are like, I need to figure out the name of it. And I need to figure out the intro music. And it's like, just fucking get on and do 20 minutes because you're like, we, me and Sims listened back to our first one. And I'm not going to lie. I've talked about this before. I smoked before the first one. I was like, I'm so much a better communicator. <laughs> and we listened back and he was like, that was fucking awful. Yeah. And, but I think it's, you know, you're a kind of guy that I can already tell having talked to you for like 10 minutes, you're no bullshit. Your whole world is communicating with people and the least for the less formal it is, the better. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious with with KD or I know Jay Williams I've met him a few times now we talk every now and then I know he's doing a lot of the boardroom stuff too I we called our podcast for a long time the players podcast and I still do that because I want to give players not just the benefit of the doubt when something happens I want to give them a platform and I want to talk about things that's not what kind of a year are you expecting next year player empowerment music empowerment with artists why, why do you think that's something that resonates so much with you? And, and do you think that the media as a whole is good at it? Or are we still trying to find our way? Well, I mean, I have more of like, um, like a philosophical thought on it lately, which is that like, why? Like, why have we chosen to cover sports in the way that we do it? You know, like, why does it just have to gravitate towards the, the criticism, the negativity? Um, this, the right or wrong, the best the right or, or the wrong, worst. Yeah. The subplots. And, you know, for me, I just don't want any part of that energy. Like, I don't want any part of that side of it. I'm cool with debating who people think are the best. Like, I enjoy that. Who doesn't enjoy that? Um, right. You know, if anything, that's where Kevin and I disagree sometimes, because when he doesn't like to talk about that stuff, I'm like, but we do, you know, like we talk about it all the time. Right. And, you know, men and women that love sports want that conversation so i i don't mind that but what i'm which do- people get angry about if you rank your top cereals you have in it like you know even like we just naturally like to put things in order of preference yeah i agree and, and, but you know what that is definitely compelling and i like that in terms of part of the conversation but i really enjoyed as a kid challenging my like understanding of the game by reading journalists that were writing about sports. And I'd be like, damn, I didn't even know what that was like, or looking that up or asking your big brother, like, what does this stand for? 
uh, when they're talking about like runners left on base and like really learning sports. I really do love that stuff. And I think more people mm. do than you think. And I think that the journalists that do it now then say to you that now nah, we're, I'm a real journalist though. And then they'll stop though, as soon as you can get a scoop because they have to beat the competition. So I understand Oof. from their perspective and I get it. And I can't think any one individual is going to be like, well, I'm going to keep it real because you just won't have a job. Like you have to break stories. But at the same time, like, you know, somebody hit me after Kevin had Corona and was like, yo, how are you not going to give me that story first? And I'm like, what the are you talking about? Are like you going to ask if he's okay? Yeah. It's March 25th. Like it was Armageddon. Like, I don't, we're not even thinking about the story. I don't even know what Corona is. We don't even know what he has. Like, so, you know, I just don't know why that can't change because sports is mainstream, like sports is pop culture. No one's not watching sports. We can change the conversation. It's just going to take yes. a long time because it's become so combative. There's always this time where I'm hanging out with an athlete the first time or we're drinking and I have to explicitly say to them, I don't break news. Like, like I have no interest in being a Schefter. I have no interest in getting clout based off of hanging out with you. Like, that's not a thing. Like for me, I'd rather just be your bud and like hang out and kick it. Cause that's, cause I just want to talk about sports. I want to talk about, you know, all that other shit and, and, and yeah. have all the good times. How did you, you know, cause you have a lot of experience being in these different rooms and circles. How do you think you, you, you got KD to trust you? Cause it, he just seems like a guy that keeps his circle tight. I mean, just like, or did you guys just click off the bat? No, we clicked off the bat, but you know, you build up trust through the wars. Like we were talking about it not so long, but we've spent through so much together. Like in the last five, six years, if you think about Kevin had the crazy injury in Oklahoma city, right. then free agency, then, uh, if I don't know if you remember, but Kevin hurt himself his like first year in the Bay in Washington. And for a minute, everyone thought he was out for the year and ended up like came back and they won the first chip. That was right. a scary night. There was obviously like the not the burner nonsense. There's just been so many things and we always so just many. laugh through it. You know what I'm saying? And like, we just don't take it as seriously as that's not like we take it seriously, but it's kind of what I love about sports. It's like, how could I have acted too cool during the free agency when everybody that I know is like, yo, you're in the Hamptons taking meetings with people for free agency. And I'm like, yo, it's Kevin is cool. I, I remember I was like, Kevin, I, I, I'm like, we're about to go to China for like two weeks for Nike. I haven't like, I've been traveling for the tournament or for the playoffs of the Thunder. And back then I was in it every day with him. And we didn't have a company. So I was like, you know, free agency, can we do it close to home? And he was like, well, where's home? And I'm like, well, my family's in the Hamptons right now. And he was like, mm -hmm. what are you doing in the Hamptons? I'm like, this coolest dude out, like, period. Like, wow. He was just like, we'll do it if it's cool. And we brought his pops out and his family. Like, so, like. What was it like to be in the center of that, that was for that the, weekend? Honestly, man, listen. All of everybody in the sports world that's not an athlete. You know when people say, like, rappers want to be athletes, athletes want to be rap. We all just want to be f close to athletes and coaches and GMs and the people we grew up on TV like this. It's like I'm looking at Greg Popovich and Alonzo Mourning and Pat Riley and Danny Ainge. And, like, yeah, I love all the young guys that came. But I'm like, those dudes are, like, 
Uh, I, I had one day when I texted Rod Strickland and Mark Jackson the same day on the phone. I sent it to like six dudes that I grew up with. And I'm like, in 1989, I, man, I lived, they all remember like the cover of the National. Remember that newspaper? Yeah. That it was like, one's got to go or some headline like that between the two of them. And it's like, I don't care about most of the things that I've done. That was cool as hell to me. And so yeah. for me, it's like, I just want, I just, I don't even remember the question, but whatever, what was the question again? <laughs> I think the question, just how, what was it like to be in the middle of that during the Hamptons oh, yeah, and lost, like just Brady's it. coming in and it was, it, it, no one really had pictures. It was just what's going on in the Hamptons this weekend. It was, exactly. So, but here's the thing behind closed doors, we weren't like, uh, you know, when you, they take pictures <laughs> like at Hyannisport with the Kennedys yes. or like the mob shit and people are like, yo. No, 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 KD. Uh, Popovich lands at three. Like we weren't even like that. We were. I have yeah. a picture from like we handled our business and we had things hit, like written out and salary situations, but we just had a blast. But it was like, you know, Kevin saw that we could be like that and I could operate at a high level and take my work seriously and not abuse the fact that he let me be close to my family. And I never, ever compromised that stuff. So still to this day, yeah. like if he calls me and he's like, yo, I need a flight. Like, I'm not like, bro, call the person we set up for this. Like I'm his manager first before all this other right. stuff. Cause I wouldn't be in this situation without him. When it, if you're looking at people that are coming up right now and you see like star rising and all of that, what is a piece of advice you would give to them? Because I think you give great advice and the boardroom does too about managing your brand and privatizing it and being your own boss and, and finding ways to get the equity. What is something that you're seeing people not doing that's just a simple thing that, that you've experienced that maybe people don't see? Well, I guess um, a few things that I think I see from afar and probably more than just sports, like in general. And I think it was something that I realized in myself so I can say it is like self-awareness, you know, like understanding what your place is exactly. So not really like ever set a, settling in terms of how you're going to be on the court or someone says you can't start your own software business. Like, no, I don't mean being aware that way. You can do anything you want. But if you don't know the reality of your situation, like if I called Bob Iger on the phone right now, I was like, I want a joint venture with Disney because, you know, I want this. And he'd be like, oh, Rich, I, you know, I, I like you a lot. I want to work with you and we're going to do more things. But like, what's the JV yet? Like, let's meet. I'd be like, no, I want a joint venture. Well, I, you know, that's not where I'm at yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. he's not going to give me a nine figure check to produce movies yet. And why am I asking that question? I have to build with him where our relationship is. And as you're building your business in the league to try to just say, I want equity when like, why? Like, what do you want equity in at first? Like, find out what it is you want and understand that like everyone's path is not going to be the same. So you can't say, I want LeBron's business. No one will have that. You can't say you want KD or Steph Curry or Melo or whoever's business. Just kind of know what it is you like and want to be around the people you want to be around and do this with them because whatever you do on the court is the foundation for all your other success. So do it with the people you want your way and take your time. Because I'm sure every young player in the NBA right now is coming to somebody like you and being like, let's build a brand. You know, they're all thinking yeah. about that. Well, I, I think, but I think there's great agents that probably are being, you know, you can't, you know, the problem with allowing a player to say that is that if you can't deliver 
or you don't believe that, then the relationship right. is doomed. You know, I, I know for a fact that some of the best lessons like that I was able to listen to Rich Paul talk about when we talked about just players in general or, or his philosophy is like, if you can't be real from the start with expectation, then eventually the trust will be questioned. You know what I mean? Because whatever you did to get the client to come with you, you're going to, it's going to be exposed a bit. And, mm. you know, I don't ever, I don't ever think that like a play, a, a player should be poached, I don't poached, uh, pitched on, I can do X, Y, and Z. If it's just not realistic, you know, like I'm going to do everything I can in my power to, you know, put something in, in play for you to, to learn about it and to get to that if the, it's in the cards. But right now people aren't spending. And look, some players may say, nah, like, no way, you're wrong. I'm going to get there. And they prove you wrong sometimes or they don't. Mm. But you can't build your company on telling athletes or, 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 or selling anybody on somewhere you can get them when there's just no real historic evidence that like a player that's 19 coming off the bench is going to be on the board of companies. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't say shit like that. Yeah, it's, I see the boardroom where I look around and I go, oh, there's no traditional broadcasters here. Or I saw something that happened recently where it was, you know, Odell and Cam and Todd Gurley and Victor Cruz and they're sitting around. What era of media do you think we're getting into right now? Where, like you were saying before, it's not just comparisons. I feel like we're, we're really starting to value the fireside chats. Are you seeing that, that change in media right now? Yeah, well, I think what is happening is that People are truly, you know how like um, for the last maybe 10 years, you could be in a meeting and someone would say to you like, anyone can have their own network now. We're all our own TV personality. And yes. you're like, well, you're not really because like you have 300 followers and you just talk to your friends and that's cool. And that's really all you should be doing. But what's happened now is people that maybe were a bit uninhibited are really starting to utilize their platform digitally, socially to communicate and to create conversation. And then you're getting great access. So if Carmelo Anthony is like, you know what, I'm going to be a host of a, of a show now, his guests are incredible. So like, yes, it, you're, you're sitting there and you're like, wow, well, you know, I just listened to Will Smith, Snoop Dogg, Kevin Durant, Denzel, and you know, and Mark Zuckerberg. And I got some really interesting stuff from them. And that is now just fully on front street. Like, getting a conversation with Barack Obama, we could probably find it in a day, you know, like we could find it. So because of that, what's happening in my opinion, or at least what I'm hoping will happen is that if you're good and you're quality and you're smart and you do the work and you stay consistent and you practice what you do, you'll separate because hmm. what is happening with everyone else that's just trying their hand in media is, you know, cause you've been doing it is you have to stay continuously after it oh. in order for Adam Lefko or Rich Kleiman to get an audience, we can't stop. Carmelo can get an audience overnight and he's, in, and he's great and his show would, could sustain. But for us, like now, I would never build anything we do based on something. I wouldn't drop a story or break news on the boardroom because it's not even who we are. I'm just gonna tell feel good stories and content that is informative and that lives at a place where I believe some people wanna be at for as long as I can. I keep telling it, I think that you can build brand that way. I got, I know you got to go. So I'll, I'll be a little bit quicker. My, I noticed during this quarantine and COVID-19, the different experiences. It's funny. You mentioned D nice earlier and he had that run. 
versus to me is so fascinating because to me, it's like this incredible viewing experience where it's like one versus one. There's an audio element. There's a visual element. It's like voyeuristic. Plus there's like all these comments and you're kind of watching it. And I'm, I'm curious, nothing exists in a vacuum. Media will never be the same after this because we've seen what the, the full digital immersion is. And I'm, I'm wondering how this is going to impact sports, how it's going to impact music now that everyone's realizing I can be my own brand. And also people are enjoying it more than traditional. I'm just, I'm curious where, where you want to take it. If you could take it anywhere other than just your podcast and what you're going to do with KD, like, I feel like we're headed to the new frontier and I'm curious what you see. Yeah. Do you ever, do you ever think that there maybe isn't an after this? I know that's crazy. Like if you didn't, and if no, you didn't, please. if you didn't smoke for this show, you may think that, uh, it no, makes no I sense. see where but you're like, taking me right now. But if someone said, like when you said to me, like after this, like I, I do go back and forth on thinking that like, will there be no fans for a few years? Like, are we, you know, cause that's my philosophy. I'm gonna give you I think we're crowning two NBA champions before we crown one NFL champion. I just, I don't think a lot of people are capable of this stuff right now. Yeah, I think so. And, but I think football, the money's, I mean, a football could create a bubble. And I think that, maybe testing or maybe like how they travel back and forth into that bubble for these games, you know, you could get it. I, I don't know. I'm, you know, it, but it, you're it, mainly saying we're never going to go back to what it was ever. No, again, I'm not in all forms. never. I'm not saying never because I don't know. Like we're like, so I was reading an article about 1919, the, uh, the Spanish flu. Yes. So many of the similar like human reactions were happening, you know, half the people were like, nah, we're not wearing a fucking mask. Like no way. And other people were, and people like all these same things were happening and the world adjusted, reacted and got better. So like, why wouldn't we in 2020, right. if we can't, then some stuff like went, we, it, it went the way it wasn't supposed to. And we, be, we know that with our president, but like this technology should, and all of this should be able to get us through this science, all of it. So I do think that we will eventually be back in arenas and in stadiums. But I think that what is happening now, though, is there's like there's new there's a whole new open field of ways that we're going to like consume information, the way we need to deal with the amount of content that's out there, all that stuff. So I think there's just going to be things that we don't see coming, like platforms and new experiences and like oh. the whole way that we meet virtually and work. I don't know. Like, I just don't know if society is ready to change as quickly back. You know, I've heard of some companies that are back, but in general, like for the next year, if someone said from, to you, I work from home, you wouldn't think twice about it. So, you know. Rich, I'm going to be honest. Me being in Atlanta, you being, I don't, I'm not sure exactly where you are, but uh, the, the recording crew in Vegas, like this is the fact that I get to hang up and then go into the kitchen and like pour another cup of coffee is fucking sweet. It like is. I kind of dig it. I, I know. And it's like, is it wrong? Like we, there's gotta be a long-term, like we, we must need more human interaction. Like our kids definitely do. I don't know. You have a daughter. You said, no, I do not. Oh, you don't have I a have kid. A, oh, that my bad. Yeah, it was no. earlier. That's why my grind mode is on a thousand right now. Oh, because yeah, like sure. D, D Wade's tell him, he goes, you just need to go as hard as you can right now. Because when you have a kid, everything changes. I'm like, no, okay, it's true. Deal. It's true. But there, he's right. He's right. But at the same time, the kid can bring an added level of 
focused. Oh, I'm beyond excited for that. Yeah. yeah, because then it becomes, then it's not just let me fulfill my ego and my own self-fulfillment. Now it becomes I'm providing for my family yes, yes. And, and all of you are distractions because this is what matters. Yeah. I'm, I'm pumped for that. It's tough to see that when they're a baby. People say as a baby, they're like, man, I'm just doing it for my kid. It's like, you, you don't even know what you're talking about yet. When they get older and they're people and you realize that your actions affect their complete happiness in life. So this is what I've been trying to do. And I, damn, I know. Do you have to fucking go? No, we could talk. Okay. Sorry. My thing is, is I love listening to, to fathers because there's something that happens in their head that clicks and they truly turn into a different person. And I challenge myself, how can I get that click even before I have a kid? And one thing that I hear from dads all the time is they watch everything and that your actions guide them more than your lessons that you give them. And in my head, I'm going, you haven't been doing that already. Like, that's yeah. what we're all like, like you talked about before. It's the consistency. That's kind of how I look at life where it's, we are what we repeatedly do. Why do I need to wait for a kid that's going to watch me all the time to make sure that I'm on, that I'm executing at yeah. that high level? Why can't I do that now? That's where I've been I, trying I, to get I'm, before having a kid. Yeah, but we can't like, because I think that, you know, I've had a lot of, uh, it's a, it's a weird di uh, dynamic. I'm sure you feel the same thing, which is like, you can hang up, go get a cup of coffee. You're in a nice house. Your quality of life is probably uninterrupted and you feel kind of bad because you're not really trying to get up and go anywhere right now. Right. Right. Yeah. So especially cause I'm in Atlanta, bro. I'm not like, it's a hot spot. I don't want to yeah, see. It, oh, exactly. Right and you're in what, well, so you're in a different energy than I'm in now. Cause now in New York, it's a little more chill. Um, but you realize that like, this isn't like you realize that if you stay this way, um, long term, we lived enough of like life prior to this to understand and crave certain things. But I'm watching my kids now at 11 and seven. And I'm like, no, like this was cool and understandable in March and April. We were like, it was the end of the world. But do we have to now kind of figure out like what our new normal is and start putting in some kind of like, not countermeasures, but like if we're going to be in school for the next year virtually, it can't just be the way it was in March and April for all of us. Yeah, because look, not everybody wants to do the homeschooling, but it's also like the interactions and the experiences and how much they're defining. So you're, you're looking at your kids right now and you're like, we need to find ways to put you in situations to break this shit up. We can't just be living on this all the fucking no. time. And like, what, what is the effect? Like, what is the effect this generation has? I mean, it's still a short time mm. relatively, but like, you know, I, I think that every year of school historically that these kids at these ages are developing things very much in the same vein as the ones before them. It's why they have like the percentile when you go to the, the doctor, like they see from yeah. history, like where you're headed. Like, so I think that, you know, to miss certain things at these periods in these kids' lives is not something they can't bounce back from. I mean, kids deal with you know, real things if, if it's happening to them, if someone got sick. But in terms of just like, okay, everything was cool virtually. The way it was for us, I'm looking at my seven-year-old and I'm like, damn, you just don't have as many outreaches and friends as like my older one does. You missed a whole kind of crucial period in this schooling. And I don't want that to be held up longer. So I think mm -hmm. that we do need to just deal with the fact that like this could be the normal for a few years and we have to find those like ways to now like add to find that void. Yes. Tell me you're getting into sports cards, please tell me that you see the market. I see it. I've been watching it. I've spoke to a bunch of people that are starting 
companies in and around it, ancillaries, exchanges. I just tried to buy Kevin Durant rookies on eBay the other day. And hold on, let me see how I read this. I'm on my phone. I got it. And then like two days, I got like the shipment date. And then someone wrote me, and I got an eBay thing that the guy had taken it back. Then the guy came back on last night and said he'd send it to me again. Maybe my e- – because my email is rich at kevindurant.com. It probably got all kinds of weird – Wow. <laughs> he was- because I'll, t- I'll tell you what. The third card that I ever bought was this puppy, a Kevin Durant rookie refractor. Ooh, that's beautiful. Let me get it. Uh, I'm holding this one what for a long time. What exchange are you on? What exchange are you on? What are you looking at those on? Uh, so this is an app. I'll give a shout out. It's a website called Card Ladder. I've be, I have thrown myself so deep into the hobby. There are two guys that run it that have been in it for a long time. And it's a way of tracking and I can put my whole collection there. And like I saw last night, uh, I love Russell Wilson and his card jumped up 300 bucks. And I sat here and I went, this is, a, I got a Cristiano Ronaldo, went up a grand. Like it's, wow. it's wild right is now. Is every sport selling? Basketball and soccer the most. Basketball is the number one. Soccer, the amount of quantity is so low. And again, part of the reason that I think it's booming is Europe and Asia is getting in. And what sports do they care about the most? Basketball yeah, and soccer. Yeah. But your guy, KD, is like the, in my opinion, like the most underrated, undervalued player right now. People are forgetting. And I'm like, you guys know he's already top 15. And like, he hasn't even reached that like third chapter of his career yet. Yeah. Like, I just don't think people are realizing. So I agree. Get, get as many of your clients as you can. Where do I buy them in quantity? eBay is always solid. MySlabs.com is really good. And then what I'm noticing is it's all about connections. Because I'll get people that'll slide into my DM and they're like, hey, I see that you're looking for D Wade cards. Here's my collection. And you got to build up the trust so that you know you're not dealing with a scammer. But it's a community. It's the sneakerhead community that has come over, plus the true hobbyists. I got to get into. First of all, people slide in your DMs about uh, trading cards. That's amazing. I answer all of my DMs. You do? Like, I do. Because, like, I was explaining this to D. Wade last night because I bought a a D. Wade rookie recently, and I want him to hold it and take a picture with it. But my, my value prop to traditional television is I am connected with the younger demos because I have been on digital now for six, seven years. And what I see is it's all about transparency. So if a kid hits me up and goes, Hey man, I'm a huge fan, or I just watched you, man, I'm a double tap and say, appreciate it. Yeah. Like if, if that's 15 part minutes of my day, like when someone posts and then the comment section, they're like, Oh fuck, where's Ernie and Chuck? I hate Lefko. Well, guess what? The kid that I DM'd responds underneath and goes, screw you. I love this guy. Yeah. And so nah, for it. me, there's value. And I, I see a lot of youth in this right now. And I want to be where they are because I want to be their voice. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I, I should do that more because it's not even that many. And it's a, it's a, it means a Now, if they say, can I get a job? No. Yes. Like, then it. I'll be like, hey, here's a 60-minute video describing my path that you can watch, and here's as many gems as I can give you, but I can't vouch for you because I don't even know who you are. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to start, I'm gonna have to start really getting into this, so maybe we'll do an episode on it soon. I'm down. I'm down. Where can people find uh, your content and also follow you and all that? All the boardroom content is on the boardroom.tv or Instagram at the boardroom. And then our podcast will be available starting the network on August 12th. 
uh, everywhere that you get your podcasts. I'm new to wow, this. The network was available. The boardroom network. Name. The boardroom network. Yeah, that, I like that a lot. Thanks, man. Yeah. Appreciate that. Uh, as you guys can tell, the grind is real. His passion is is pretty insane, and he's all about connections. So slide into his DMs. No. Okay. Don't it. <laughs> Uh, good luck with everything. Congratulations. And if you really are going to have me on, I'd appreciate it. I do. That would be a lot I really fun. will. I really will. I appreciate that myself. Invitation accepted. Thanks, my man. I'll speak to you soon. All right, brother. Later. Have a great day, man. Rich climbing, everybody. Um, at, you guys know, as someone that really cares about the players podcast and really cares about the players perspective, I have been watching the boardroom now for a while and I trust people like Jay Williams and obviously Kevin Durant is somebody that really is always himself. So check out what Rich has going on. Um, hope you guys are enjoying these podcasts as I'm doing them from Atlanta in this Airbnb. Um, I painted this myself uh, and I love you guys. I'm the L-E-F-K-O-E man. Keep sliding into my DMs. And we'll holla.